case. So, but uh, foreign missions is deep on my heart, and uh, I, wasn't that may, don't you get choked up with the children coming up? I, I just uh, hope I get through this and don't think about that because uh, I wish I would learn sooner in ministry uh, how powerful children are, and uh, just seeing them. There I go. <laughs> Involved. Uh, it's, it's a treasure. There are events in the Christian's life and the church's life that bring greater clarity, and we hope that worship is that way. Uh, Eugene Peterson has said, perhaps one of the best things you can ever do for people is invite them to come on Sunday and worship God, because it gives clarity to all the difficulties and heartaches and also joys in life. And I thought, wow. What, uh, what a powerful thing to say, <laughs> that this may be better than we realize, that I realize sometimes. Funerals can be those. The death of a loved one is a time of grief, but if they're Christians, a declaration of victory, isn't it? There are, these are sacred moments because the heavenly and the earthly meet, and therefore priorities come into sharp focus. Times when we focus on the global mission of God are sacred. This is a sacred morning. They all are. But this is, in some ways, very sacred as well. While foreign missions are not often on the forefront of our minds and activities, we have other things pressing against the flesh. Focusing on their importance brings clarity to the church's purpose. The mission committee hopes that today will be one of those important reminders about the mission to the world that God deeply loves and that we're called to love as well. Over the years, I found it interesting to ask what new people see in a congregation when I've been places because we kind of get used to things are, and <laughs> right? And we just, I uh, hope that's not mine. That's a whole other thing I could rant about, but at any rate, uh, my, my own personal phone. But at any rate, uh, I, I think it's interesting to ask new people, you know, what do you see here? Because we get used to not seeing things. And uh, Barbara and I are new here, so uh, I wasn't invited to share this with you, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, you don't have to hold your breath. I wanted to share with you three things that I think, uh, from my observation, that Woodbury is doing right what you're doing right, what we're doing right here. The first is there is an understanding on the mission committee, and I think in this church, that less can be more. By that I mean it is better to focus on a few mission families and give them more financial support than spreading the, spreading the funds out over many, many families. It may, you may have more people on the bulletin board but I, I personally feel like it's less effective. This approach is a blessing to missionaries because it reduces the number of churches that missionaries have to report to. And if you've ever been in that position when you've had to go to 10 places when you're on sabbatical, it is just brutal. It just wears you out and exhausting. And so uh, it's easier for them in this sort of way. 
and I think also can potentially provide more consistent report, uh, support for them, and that's a blessing. This approach also allows supporting churches to focus on a few mission families that can result in better communication and oversight, as well as greater emotional and spiritual support. It also makes personal involvement with the missionaries easier and more consistent. The second thing I think Woodbury is doing right is there is an appreciation for short-term missions and the importance of introducing younger Christians to ministry in other parts of the world. I believe these missions are critical in raising a new generation of missionaries and helping support congregations to better understand what is actually going on in the field and on the ground. How better to help young people understand that we are phenomenally blessed in this country and that the same conditions do not exist worldwide. Now, you can watch television and everything, but I, there is just something about being there and seeing poverty or difficult conditions that just, just opens people's eyes. How better to help young people fall in love with people of other cultures to the point that they may actually want to go and give a significant or all of their lives living in those lands to tell people about Jesus. Nothing can replace the actual experience of going to a different land and people. Bible classes, and this is really good to talk about missions and Bible classes, but Bible classes can help give the information, but there are no pictures that can communicate like the actual experience of sitting and talking with people who in language and culture are not like us. And yet who have the very same hopes. And needs for God that we have. There is nothing like being with other people to see what their strengths are. And what they have to give us. And what they have to teach us. And how their relationship blesses us. You just almost, I, I haven't heard reports from the youth, but I would guess often they come back and say, we learned so much and it was so good. And we were so blessed to be there. And then third, the mission committee has a solid group of people who care about missions they want missions at Woodbury to be done in a wise and powerful way. And the mission committee hopes to build on the solid base that it already has with continued refinement of our approach to missions and an increasing vision for ways we can better serve the Lord and the world. Now for a few minutes I want to remind us of why we foster and support missions. Why do we do it? Why are we involved and why do we give priority to foreign missions? With the great needs that are always present in every local congregation, why send people and money abroad? We probably know the answer to those questions. But I think it's worthy of regularly asking those questions because it brings our priorities into a sharper focus and reminds all of us who we are. 
Many texts are possible. We could go almost anywhere in the Bible and find the rationale for missions. For the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is fundamentally a story about mission. God's mission. The Father's mission. The Son's mission. The Spirit's mission to people who are in desperate straits. But for time's sake, we're going to focus on just one text written by Paul, the missionary to the Gentiles. Now, for just getting it all in one slide, I'm going to read more than this, and you can listen along. It's from 2 Corinthians 5, beginning verse 6. Uh, but I've just selected portions to get all in one slide. I'll read more than that. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from this body and at home with the Lord. So while we're here, we make it, we make it our goal to please the Lord. Whether at home, in the body, or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, Amen. whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade people. For Christ's love compels us because it does this because we're convinced of some things. And that is that one died for all. And therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and was raised again. Amen? Amen? So from now on, we don't, we don't think about people wherever they live, whatever they look like from a worldly point of view, the way people often are viewed. Though we even regarded Christ that way at one time from a worldly point of view. We don't do that any longer because He has died and raised and He is the Son of God. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, He's a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And all of this is from God who reconciled, reconciled us, brought us back into friendship to Himself through Christ. And then remarkably gave us the same message of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, bringing people back to Himself. And He didn't count men's sins, people's sins against them. And He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore... Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal 
through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So what motivates us? What empowers us? What drives us to tell the good news of Jesus to people who are not of our people group, not of our tribe? Why bother? Why risk? Why sacrifice? Paul states two compelling reasons. First of all, we know the fear of the Lord. In other words, what we say and what we do matters. And it matters eternally. As with most things, there can be a pendulum swing with a focus on eternal consequences. I I know sometimes we may feel in reaction to a, a harshness if we've ever had that or unkindness or being sectarian and all those sort of things, we, we can shy away from the coming reality. And that is that one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of God to give account of our deeds in this life. That's coming. That no one on that day will stand righteous before God on their own merit or goodness. We are in need of a Savior. The entire world is in need of a Savior. And so, we have a great awareness and a great awe for that coming day. And we, like our Lord, want all to be saved, right? And so, we call people to Jesus so on that great day they can stand before the Father justified by the blood of Jesus. And on this earth be filled with hope and joy. And the second reason that compels us and why we bother and why we risk and why we sacrifice is because the love of Christ compels us. In parallel with the day of judgment for Paul, there is an even greater overarching reality, and that is the love of God for all. He loves this world. He loves the people in this world. And this reality empowers God's people to take the message to the world and it is the power also that then opens people's hearts. Love of God must be the driving force in our lives whether we go as as missionaries or support missionaries or just across the street or next door neighbors (coughs) Excuse me, because it reflects the most dominant aspect of the nature of God. His love for people. The love of God compelled and controlled and drove Paul to go all over the world telling people of Christ's love for them. It is what must compel and control and drive us to take the good news of Jesus to other tribes, whatever those tribes, wherever those tribes may be. Someone has imagined a scene after Jesus had commissioned the twelve and returned to heaven, being asked by a very concerned angel, if the apostles fail, what is plan B? That's a pretty good question, actually. And Jesus replied, there is no plan B.
I like that story, even though it's rooted in a creative mind. I like it because I do think it represents the way God chooses to work in this world. It's kind of frightening and encouraging at the same time, frightening because of our weaknesses and our failures, and yet God still says, you're my servants, and I am going to work through you broken vessels. Because I've loved you, and so you love others and extend my love. God's work in the world, someone has said, is enacted through human agency. Or in simpler terms, God acts through His people, His servants. He's done that from the very beginning, just starting with Adam and then Abraham and then, and then Jacob and Israel and all through the prophets, and then in Jesus, and now through His church. He's communicating His good news. So this Sunday, we're reminded of what the mission is and what we're doing to be a part of God's plan to reach other, person to person, heart to heart, and how we can support those who are giving their own lives. I I just, uh, seeing the people this morning, you know, I'm just, I'm just taken into it. Whether it's Belgium or Peru or wherever in the world, Africa, Minnesota, I'm just taken with people that in difficult circumstances are just laying down their lives. And the lives of their children. To be Jesus' voice and hands in faraway places. There is no plan B. It's just us, God working through us to share the good news of Jesus with the world.
Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has created this world and loved people in it from the very beginning, despite our failures and our rebellion, still your love endures forever. We pray for the missionaries we support, for those throughout the world who have heard your call, have heard your love, and yearn to take it to parts unknown where they do have not yet heard. We pray for strength and guidance and blessing upon them. Pray for blessings on the contribution this week towards supporting them. Father, we thank you for each other in this church that places a priority on missions. Father, we pray that in our daily lives, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our peers, in our work, in the schools, in our communities, we'll be aware of that great day that's coming and that we will demonstrate and be compelled and driven by the love of Christ to strive to love our neighbors and friends and others as you've loved us. We confess that we fail and many times, but we pray that you would even take those failures and create something good out of them. Father, we really want this to be a church that is a blessing to others. We know their surrounding, the surrounding community is, is growing, and we pray that we'd be responsive and aware of how we can best serve in that way and how we can best support our missionaries financially and emotionally and spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>